Hi, everybody. It's episode 463 of PodQuest. Hey. It's Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. I am Chris. With me, alone this week, Walnut. Yeah, I'm here. Drew, Drew is not, so it's just going to be the two of us, which means we'll probably talk about, talk about a bunch of more bullshit than usual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> How's your week been with, with your jury duty? Oh, it's been dumb. It's been dumb. I gotta say, before we even started, as we're getting the silence, a car drove by at just the right time. Because, like, as you're getting the silence, a car drove by, and I saw that it picked up on the audacity, and I'm like, oh, good, he can use that for silence. Oh, good. That works. Um, but it's been, it's been dumb, let me tell you. Jersey, state of Jersey, um, jury duty is dumb right now. Uh. It's incredibly inconsiderate, too. Like, yeah, yeah. So for anybody who doesn't live in Jersey or who hasn't had to deal with post pandemic jury duty, they send you a card or they do. They they used to send like an, a full on letter that you'd have to open up. I just got a green card and that's it. So either I never responded to the first one and they sent me a second one or this is all they sent. It's just a small green ass card now. And it says that you have four days of service starting Monday. It's four days or one trial, so it could go beyond four days, depending on the trial. Um, but you have four days of service starting on Monday. That Monday, you have to report into a Zoom call at 8 o'clock in the morning. That is about 40 minutes long, and it is just orientation. And that's not every time. Like, I did not have a Zoom call at all, and I had jury duty in, like, February, March. Um, and my dad just had it, um, like, two, three weeks ago he was supposed to. And he also did not have a Zoom component. It was just call and see if you have to show up on Monday, and then I'll call and see if you show up on Tuesday for the well, whole really? fucking week. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't have like for us. It was like you have to show up on Monday, or you have to do you have to do this call on Monday. Like you have to check on Sunday to see if you have to report. But at, for us, it was everyone had to report on Monday for this Zoom call. Nope, did not have and, a Zoom call. I had to just every single day at like 5.30 go onto the website and see if I had to go to Camden the following day. Yeah, so like luckily I have a job, Cobb, you have a job that like covers us for for jury duty and like if we were out, if we had to sit out a day because of jury duty or whatever, it's not going to like negatively affect anything. But like this is more a really bad and inconsiderate style for gig workers and retail workers. And also because just small businesses, like Erica was saying, yeah. her office does not pay for jury duty. Like, yeah. so if you're taking off, because you, they're all hourly employees, but, they have to use PTO. But see, that's the thing. Like, for her job, yeah, they don't pay for, for jury duty. So if my job wasn't covering me on Monday for the jury duty, I would have clocked in right after the Zoom call. Yeah, and I would have, that, that and, works and like, fine if you have that sort of thing where you get a Zoom call. But yeah. like... Like, in my case, I did not have the option for a Zoom call. Had I worked someplace that, like, jury duty wasn't just covered and I wasn't salaried, like, yeah. I would have either lost a day of pay or had to, like, burn PTO days for nothing. Well, and yeah, it's exactly. like, and you, you can't, you can't just tell your office the night before, like, oh, yeah, like, I will be able to work tomorrow. Like, yeah, it's, you, it's mostly like gig work and retail work. It's straight up, if you have, you have to schedule these four days off. Or schedule later shifts. So say you normally work in the mornings, you then have to schedule for, honestly, at best, an after 7 o'clock shift. Because you don't know how late, it's it's going to go up until 5, and then how long it's going to take you to get home, get ready, and then go to work and whatnot. Exactly. You have to schedule late shifts. 
it's go- it leads to a major loss of money. And it's like, I lucked out. I got a free day off. And I, I, if I had worked at, like, we were talking about your wife's company, Erica's company. If I had worked at her company, I would have just gone into work that day. Been like, all right, well, I don't need to report anymore. I'm going to come into work. And I'm sure they would have been fine with just covering me for the hour. Like, me just using an hour of a PTO or a half-day PTO or whatever. I'm sure they would have... Or make it up. Make up that half-hour time or however much time. I'm sure they would have been fine with that. But, like, for straight up anybody else, you're fucked. And you lose money. And it just just sucks. Yeah, this is why nobody wants to do jury duty. Because it's a hassle. You get nothing out of it. The government doesn't um, pay you for it. $5 a day. Yeah, $5 a day. It's not worth the paper that they mail you the fucking check on. Like, the one time I had jury duty and actually had to go and sit there for the day, which was like a decade ago when I made no money, I just threw the fucking check out. Like, it was not worth me taking it to the bank and dealing with a bank for five fucking dollars. My last job, I had to give them my check. That seems shady. Like, they paid me for the day, but I had to give them the $20 that I got from Jerry. Yeah, that seems Because I, I, I was like a three or four day trial. I I don't care. I, I don't... I actually... I know one time I never even got my check, and it was a $5 check. I didn't care. And it seems like they lowered it, because I could have swore it was $7. No, it's always been 5 as far as I know. I think it's 7 if it's like grand jury or something like that. Like, you, you get more if it's a grand jury versus petite jury. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, the, the whole system, because, like, the only people that are interested and willing to do the trials are not peers of the people on trial. Like, it's supposed to be a jury of your peers. It's fucking old, white, retired people are the only people that are interested yeah. in doing that stuff because they have yeah. nothing fucking better to do. Everybody else fucking works. Yeah, they they, they need to make a reasonable reason to want to go do jury duty and a reasonable reason make like it's a dumb statement but it's true like i i don't obviously don't pay me a lot of money like you obviously i'm not asking no, you to pay the, me a million gover- dollars the government should have to pay people their daily salary like but then that would it, if i mean then that would mean that companies who then cover no longer have to cover um but it, there should there should be better compensation in general. I I totally agree that your work. I agree that this is something that sh- you should that should be mandatory in the country. I agree it should be something that you should be called upon to do. This is I don't. It, it, like it, but I don't agree with the compensation. I don't agree with the way they go about it. Like I, our I legal like- system is already fucked. Like jur- having having juries does not make it any better. Like people people are biased. People are going to make their judgment call on the way somebody looks or sounds. Like absolutely, it's it is it is a it is, it's not the best system, but it's better than like hiring jurors and honestly, having just career honestly, the, jurors. Start start having a panel of judges instead. Let a bunch of people that actually know the law fucking make the decisions. Because a bunch okay, of fucking look, a bunch of fucking hicks are not making the right decision for people. This is turning into podcast the po- the politics, but look at the Supreme Court. I mean, you have that, and look at all the bullshit that we deal with with that, and I mean, how that is true. How that, how misbalanced it. This is this is unfortunately because it is mandatory, and it's everyone who does it. This is the best way to do it, unfortunately, because it, it yes, like no one wants to do it, and and there are people who are going to stand by their beliefs of 
skin color or personality type or whatever, and, like, that sucks, but this is the closest thing to a fair trial because it's a bunch of random people who don't know the people that are on trial. And uh, there's, there's honestly no, not really a, a safer way to do this. Trial by combat. I, there you go. You know, that's right. Uh, you know, we don't even have to worry about the combat. Just American gladiators. Yeah, like, I don't mean, like, real sure. combat with swords. Like, everyone has to just do the gauntlet from, like, American Gladiator, or they have to yeah. run, like, the American Ninja Warrior course. Yeah, And exactly. it's like, if they are not physically able to do that, they can declare, like, a champion. Yeah. Like, if if you cannot declare your own champion, the state will provide one for you. Exactly. Like, problem get solved. Rid of, get, get rid of lawyers entirely, and it's just... It's just super buff people that can, like, run obstacle courses. Exactly. Uh, but then, you know, that that turns into um, unfair advantage for rich people. Well, I mean, it's already unfair advantage for rich people, so it's not going to change anything. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. Exactly. Um, so th- th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a turn. Um, I have a thing that you should go do in October. Um, there is going to be an emo orchestra in Philly. Emo orchestra? Yeah. It's going to be Hawthorne Heights playing with an orchestra. Um and covering a bunch of popular emo songs from, like, the 2000s through today. When is that? October? October. Is that the main center? No, it's at, um... So they're, they're actually playing twice in the area, which is fucking weird. Um, they're playing at the Keswick on October 7th, which is a Saturday. And in Atlantic City on October 14th, which is also a Saturday. That's weird. That's wild. Tickets are not that expensive either. Like, they're, like... The Keswick ones are, like, 35 to $60. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know... Hawthorne Heights with a full orchestra. What's not to love? Yeah, I might, I'm, I, I'm, I might look into it. Tickets go on sale Friday. They're going to be sold out by the time I look. Oh yeah, without a doubt. You're going to forget about it, and yeah, they'll be sold out and on resale for way too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that out of the way, what's on the agenda, Rich? On the agenda is not a lot, uh, because of relatively busy and slow weeks at the same time. Uh, Cobb, you went to too many games on Saturday. Uh, Sunday. The Sunday. The two of us, we played Jurassic Park Legacy, the Isla Nublar, uh, uh, Isla Nublar, or Legacy of Isla Nublar. I said that terribly so many times. We'll, yeah, we'll, you just, we'll say, let's just, you know what? Let's just restart. Jurassic Park Legacy of Isla Nublar. There, there we go. go. Cut the rest of that out and just put that there. Nope. Y- you're not gonna, but that's fine. Um, uh, which was that legacy game that we talked about on our YouTubes. And then, uh, I played, uh, more Final Fantasy 16. I did also. Yeah. Don't take all the credit for it, you son of a bitch. I didn't know that you got it. I told you I was getting it. I literally said I'm going to get this. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, last week you were telling me I shouldn't get it because I'm not going to like it, and I got it. Well, you don't like fighting, so I figured... I do like fighting, I just like it when the fighting is good. The games that you like fighting in, I do not think are good. I don't know. There's there's a lot of good fighting in games that you don't like. I can th- I can think of plenty of games that have really good fighting that are not games that you play. Well, I mean, yeah, you you like fighting games, and I hate fighting games. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z Fighters, fucking phenomenal fighting. Probably, I haven't played it. I've seen Dragon I've Ball Z Ka- Dragon Ball Z some... Kakarot, not great fighting, but it's it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But anyway, how's that? Too many games. You know, it was, it was definitely too many games. Um, I have not been in, tw- I think I, last time I went was like 2018-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it felt bigger than it, than it did before. I think it's still in the same set of rooms, 
but I just feel like maybe they have them like laid out a little differently and they're just using the space a little bit better. Um, and I felt like there was, um, like a larger variety of stuff on the show floor at the very least. Um, it's still a lot of, you know, people selling old games for way more money than I'm willing to spend on them. Yeah. But like, there are definitely people out there that will drop that money. Um, like I, one booth had, I think like four copies of Earthbound sealed for, um, between 2000 and 3500. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, that was not even the most expensive games I saw there. Um, <laughs> but you know, like lots of like old consoles, like in box still, like Nintendo's shit like that. Um, a lot of import stuff. Um, a lot of import stuff. Uh, and unfortunately, like a lot of these tables, like you look at them and for every like game that you see where it's like, oh, that's a good fucking game. There's like 12 Maddens. Like, it, yeah. it's really like going to a GameStop in, like, 2008, like, <laughs> going through the PS2 used games, and it's just like, all right, here's every Madden between 2002 and 2007, guys. And the the problem with these are, like, like you're talking the Earthbound up to $4,000, right? Like, that is, all that is is a collector's item at this point, and that is a buy to resell. That is it. There's no reason to spend that much money on this game because you're not going to play it. You're not going to touch it. You're going to put it up on display and then hopefully resell it sometime down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, to me, like, yes, I have a hundred Funko Pops, but I bought them because I like the characters and I've opened them and I've used them and I would, I want them on display. Some of them. Others I bought because of the possible collector value, but I didn't spend $4,000 on a collector value item. I spent 15 to 30 on a collector value item. Yeah. Like, it, <clears throat> 15 exactly. to 30,000 is what I'm saying, not 15, 30. No, but yeah, like, spending that much money on an expo at too many games, that's just, that's insane. I really want to know how many resellers actually sell these big ticket items at, at expos like that. So, I think you'd be surprised. Like, I don't know about this one because I don't go to too many games that frequently. Um, mm-hmm. But I know, like, the the last two years at Fan Expo, the comic one they do, well, the entertainment one, let's call it, um, one of, like, one of the comic artists that, that we know, um, last two years I've been talking to him, and, like, another guy has come up, and the dude just, he literally walks around with thousands of dollars of cash rolled up in his pocket to drop on things at, at these shows. And, like, he's not looking to buy things thousands of items or anything like that like he's literally there like if he sees somebody with you know like an amazing spider-man number two that's like graded high enough he'll drop six thousand dollars on it yeah i don't know how much those games that 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 comic goes for so like it is it is potentially worth significantly more than that but i was just yeah but like just ballpark number and estimate numbers and stuff like that but like that's just that's why it must be nice to be able to do that and like that's a great and like that's a graded comic in like the like like you have like the like the Spider-Man 50. Um yeah. It like it's in a slab. Like you are never reading that comic. It's entirely a collector's piece. Like Yeah. And like they have that at too many games. Like I I had never actually seen graded games like that before in the slabs, but um they were selling a bunch of those. Um a lot of games were like surprisingly like in my opinion reasonably priced for what they were selling. Um, like there were like some chrono triggers, like in box for a couple hundred bucks. Um, which like brand new, that was a hun- almost a hundred dollar game in 1995. I want to say chrono trigger was like a 80 to 90 bucks 
brand new yeah. for for the SNES. So like, you know, with inflation and the fact that like you can't buy that particular cartridge new anymore, like, you know, 3 400 like seems, you know, at least somewhat reasonable. Um like uh old Pokemon games are like incredibly valu- valuable still. Like some of the um I want to say it was Soul Silver I saw for like 150 bucks, mm-hmm. which cool, like fucking Soul Silver, $150. Um, it's, I always think it's funny, like, looking at some of those, like, used games, and, like, these are games even without cases, like, the DS games and stuff like that, and I'm like, I have these. I have $500 games just sitting on a shelf behind me right now. (laughs) Yeah, I could only imagine what I can find in, in, in my, if I, like, I actually looked and tried to figure out what I had, I could only imagine, like, the cost of things. Like, I'm sure I have some DS, or, or not even DS, some, like, friggin', PS, or not PSP, uh, GBA games and stuff like that, that are, like, worth some decent money at this point, because I've had them, but honestly, I don't know where they are, and they're probably just thrown out. They're probably in, in a, in a, in a dump nearby somewhere. I did, um, I did buy two things. Um, I bought a copy of Persona 4 for the PS2, so, like, the original version of it, which, um, like, complete, had the instruction manual, had, like, the bonus, like, soundtrack CD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also bought a copy of um, Shin Megumi Tensai um, Digital Devil Summoner 2. Okay. Also, like, complete in-box. Like, both of them were under 50 bucks. So, nice. like, yeah. Like, they were still basically, like, face value for, like, what those games cost. Because uh, PS2 games were generally forty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Um, and, like, there were, there were a handful of other things that I was looking at and, like, contemplating. Like, I saw the... the do you remember that? The Dot Hack games? Um, yeah. Um, I forget exact. I forget all of the the subtitles for them, but the original trilogy that was on PS2, because I know they made some some later ones after that. Um, I saw two of them. Um, I think it was the second and the third one, and like I almost picked those up, but they were a little more than I was willing to spend. How much? I want to say they were like seventy or eighty bucks. Because I have them both. I have the fr- I have the first two. I have Sign. I know that much. I might have the second one. I I bought them. Uh, where when where did I buy them from? Uh, there used to be that classic game store near Blackwood. Oh and right we, right right. Yeah, we went there and I saw them and like I always wanted to get into that series and just didn't. Um, because uh, I I don't know why, but I would love to play them, but I don't think a PS2 memory card would work anymore. Yeah, so it it so I have Dot Hack Infection, which is the first one. Okay. And then there were two more after that. It was like Outbreak and something else. And I saw Outbreak and the other one there. And those were the two where I'm just like, oh, you know, like, I, I always like that first one. I never got the, the second two for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, they were just, they were a little bit more than I was looking to spend. Um, and like, for me, it's one of those things where I am not against like, like emulating games, but like, I would rather own the game and emulate it than just emulate it if I can reasonably own it. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not going to buy a $3,000 copy of Earthbound to try Earthbound. I don't have to because it's it's available on so many things. Like, it it is legally playable. But, like, yeah. there are tons of games, like like Pokemon games, for instance. You can't legally buy them anymore. Like, like the older ones, like, Nintendo just doesn't have a digital sales and they do not print new copies of those games. So it's like, if I didn't own them already, and I wanted to play them, like, I would just pirate them. Like, that is the only option Nintendo offers. Yeah. But, like, if I can find the physical game at, like, stuff like this, and it's, 
close to retail um for like what they cost or below like i'm willing to i'm willing to to spend for it that i mean that's why i got persona like i really really like persona 4 um i i i have the digital one for vita that's the one i played i then bought the physical vita cart and now i have the original ps2 discs um i like that there were a handful of other things there i'm like oh that would be cool to buy like um like uh mario rpg on the super nintendo um trying to think what else i saw that kind of like jumped out uh i'm like drawing a blank now even though i had these things in my head earlier uh paper mario the thousand year door there was there was one that was pretty reasonably priced on um the for the wii um not a lot of like hot n64 games that i was seeing around um i saw a couple copies of like pokemon stadium and like goldeneye i'm like i have those games like they're fine (laughs) yeah i mean Uh, I can't think of a lot of hot N64 games in general. I did my retro night on Thursday, or on Monday, and I was just like, man, none of these interest me right now. None, or like, if they did, it's like, this, this is too long of a game to play on a a random retro night. Yeah, like, the N64 games did not age super well. Yeah. Um, but like, aside from like the, the people just selling like old games and stuff like that, they did have a lot more like, craft and artists and things like that um both like like the silly stuff like the bead sprites and um shadow boxes and stuff like that and also um like uh like hand carved wood signs and replica swords and stuff like that from different games uh a couple people that were literally just like like pen and paper like artists so a lot more just arts and crafts there than usual or at least th- than i had seen previously which was cool because it it broke things up a little bit and gave you a little bit more to see as you were walking around versus just like plastic bins full of old games and uh wire racks with like the fancy stuff on it and behind like the the table mm-hmm. um i know like erica bought like a print of um i don't know if she posted it on like any social medias but it's it's like a um a game boy with um that's like like a post-apocalyptic Game Boy, where like it's it's got flowers and vines and stuff growing out of it, like it's it's been left alone in the wilderness for years. It's actually mm-hmm. it's a really cool looking print. Um, and like one of the people there is um is a regular artist for um the Yeti, like the the website that sells T-shirts and does a lot of the like GDQ um stuff that they release for every event. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, we're walking by and looking at it, like, that art style looks super familiar. And Erica went up while I was looking at something and asked, and the girl was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, like I, I usually do, like, one or two of the designs for, for GDQ every year. <laughs> it's like, oh, nice. yeah. Um, and then they have the big arcade area, um, which I always think is fun because, you know, it's, it's a mixture of console games kind of across the gambit. Um, and then they have tons of, like, retro arcade games and a bunch of the super modern, like, straight out of Japan, mostly rhythm game cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> like, they have the one that looks like a fucking washing machine. Uh, they have all the different dance games, like, the kind that are just DDR, the kind where it's, like... I don't know if you've ever seen it. So there's, like, your your traditional, like, DDR and Dance Mania and stuff like that, where it's just, like, the arrows on the floor. And then there's these new ones where I think the whole floor is just, like, an LED panel. And, like, there's no arrows on it. You're just, like, basically stepping where, like, the game tells you to. Yeah, I've seen that. I've, I've seen a lot of it on YouTube lately on, like, shorts that come up. And I'm like, this game looks very interesting. Yeah, like, I'm not exactly sure. Sh- yeah, I'm not entirely sure how it's supposed to work. But, 
Yeah, they had like a whole wall and a half of just like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a stage with like a projector set up for people to do just dance on. Nice. Um, and then they had a separate room that had more like classic games. Um, so like we wandered through there for, for a little while. I played a couple things. Um, we played a little bit like, um, Final Fight 3, played some Mortal Kombat 3. Um, been so long since I played Mortal Kombat 3. The only move I can remember how to do was Sub Zero's Ice. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like his traditional ice blast. Um, back like on Super Nintendo, I used to know how to do like, cause he, he's got like the, he's got the fireball ice blast, like the quarter, quarter circle forward. Um, low punch. Um, but then he's also got like the, the up in the air one where like he shoots the ice into the air and then it falls down wherever the player's standing. Um, and he's got, I believe, I think he has an ice teleport and he's also got the ice clone where he'll do a backflip and leave a clone of himself made out of ice standing there. And if the opponent walks into it, they get frozen. Yeah. Couldn't remember how to do fucking any of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting there like, like trying button combos. I'm like, nope. Nope, nope, this isn't, nope. All right, just, we're just gonna do the fireball ice blast. That's the only one I remember how to do. We're gonna do that, and I'm gonna come over and uppercut, and then sweep the leg. Like, that's how, that's how you win Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you sweep the leg. Uh, but yeah, that, that stuff's all cool. Um, I think, like, Too Many Games is definitely one of those shows where if you're a collector, great, great place to go. Um, yeah. if you're, if, if you're not a collector and you're just going there to look at things, like, it's not worth a full weekend, unfortunately. Um, really, like like Sunday is probably the best time to go at that point because Friday and Saturday are both up to sixty bucks a day now. Sunday's mm-hmm. at least only forty. At least it was this year, which like forty bucks for the for like an afternoon is not bad. Um, yeah, especially if you're interested in like actually like looking through all the games they have, whether you're going to buy them or not, and um, checking out the like the arcade room and all. Um, didn't do any of the panels or anything. I know that they apparently also had like a bunch of voice actors there. Um, like, um, David Hader apparently was there. I think Erica said she saw like as we were leaving. So, mm-hmm. you know, like the, they have like all the, con- all the fixins of like your nerdy conventions. Uh, it just kind of depends if like that's your flavor of show. Um, and for us, at least it's a little far away. Um, not terrible, but you know, it's like, it's like 45 to an hour depending on traffic. Yeah. It's, that's, that's kind of always been a little bit of my problem with, with too many games. It's like, they're, it's not my kind of show. I'm not a retro game person, and I just, I'm not, I, I am a collector, but I don't have that kind of money to collect. Like, I went for the music, and the music just started to suck at one point or another, and I just didn't care, and, and like, stopped going. Yeah. Like, I, I get that. Like, I feel like if you're, if you're looking for, like, a music at a game thing, you probably want to go to MAGFest anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, they, MAGFest and Too Many Games would work together to get the music, and uh, for a while, a lot of the music that was going on at Too Many Games is also happening at MAGFest. Like, they, they worked very well with each other. But they're just, it eventually, like, I maybe I just became out of touch with the nerd music genre. But, like, I would go for the bands, and they would have a different band up, like, every hour, hour and a half. And, like, I would sit there and watch some of the bands, and I would just be like, this isn't good. This is not good. This isn't... Because, like, it wasn't, like, the stuff I... It wasn't the Megas. It wasn't uh the the X-Hunters. It wasn't, like, any of the big names that I knew because they'd gotten so big that they actually, like, sort of started legit touring. And so then it became a lot more of the local stuff, and... I, I just, I didn't really find interest in what they were, I, I tried listening to some of them, I was just like, this is, I'm bored with this song, I'm bored with this band, 
And, like, that was the last time I went. I was, like, I stayed there for, like, four hours. And I was just, like, this, this is boring. And a couple of mutual friend of ours had the entire weekend. They, like, they got, like, the, the, the full weekend pass with, like, the, the after party pass and everything. And, like, they, that was, like, their second or third year doing it. And they were, like, yeah, we're not doing it anymore. This was, the music, like, they, they dropped a band that was supposed to be here, like, it was supposed to be a different band that didn't show up or that they weren't doing. And so they changed it without telling anybody. And if we had known, we wouldn't have stayed here. We were here for such and such band and just they, they didn't show up. Yeah. Like I've sucks. never, I've never been into the, like the, the video game nerd music stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's not that it's bad. It's just, I've never, it, it has never clicked for me. Um, so that's one of those, like I, I honestly usually forget too many games even did music unless somebody else mentioned it. Cause it's yeah. just, I've never stayed that late. Um, I've never gone into like the rooms where they had the music. Cause it's like, yeah, this is loud and usually doesn't sound real great because it's a, it like the, it's not the bands that don't sound great. Like it's, it's the venue. Like it's a fucking convention yeah. center. It's not meant for live music. <laughs> yeah. It's the um, expo center. Yeah. And like that, that expo center is 130 years old or something stupid, or at least it looks it. It probably is not, but it is right next to like that sewage treatment plant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny actually. Um, one of my coworkers from New York actually came down for it. He had never been before. Um, mm-hmm. And like, quick funny story. Um, they got the, the they got the the classic because it's called the Philadelphia Expo Center. They thought it was in or around Philadelphia, so they booked a hotel actually down by the airport. Oh no! Yeah, and he was telling me about that. I'm like, oh dude, that's not where it's at. Like, it's it's way out here. Um, I told, like, I told him early enough that, um, they were able to, like, cancel that reservation and get, like, a closer one, and he's like, it actually worked out really well, like, like, they were, like, 15 minutes from the expo center, and, like, had, like, a nice hotel, like, but, yeah, like, they went, they came down for just the one, one day, so, like, they went Saturday, um, spent, like, the whole day there, he was excited for, for, like, actually one of the bands that was playing, Mm -hmm. um, and, like, he is a collector, like, he's a big collector he's got i think i think he told me he has like over 1200 games or something like that um and so like he was he was there on like a mission to like find like some obscure like wii and ds games and shit like that and like japanese imports and things um like he is he's super into that stuff so like that was the show for him and like i talked to him um we actually went and had dinner with them on sunday evening because they were um they like explored Philly because they'd never come down to Philly because why the fuck would they? They they live in New York. Um, yeah. So like uh, when we came home from too many games, we ended up just meeting up with them and grabbing dinner. Um, and he's like, "This it was great. Like I got I got some stuff I was looking for. Um, he was able to trade some stuff that he had like duplicates of and like wheeled and dealed and talked to a bunch of people that were like that did like the modding stuff because he he does that stuff too. Like." Um, custom like screens and stuff like that on consoles like adding backlights to shit Mm -hmm. so like it was perfect for him for you and i it's more like oh yeah like this kind of a novelty like maybe you find something that like piques your interest but more often than not you're just kind of kind of wander for a little while and unless you're there with somebody else you're probably just going to leave after you've covered the the floor once or twice yeah yeah and like for how far away it is like that's not exactly the way you want to spend your afternoon yeah that's I and that that would always be like I would go out. I think the show would start at what like ten ish, and I would get there at at the start of the show, and 
I would walk around and like, all right, well, the first band doesn't play till 1.30. All right, let's walk around again. I think there was one time I went that I considered going to a movie. Like, I, <laughs> I went out there and I was like, well, the band that I want to see doesn't play until 4.30. Let's go to a movie and let's go see a movie for the next two hours and then we'll come back and see the band. Like, I considered it. It's like, yeah, if you're not a major collector, if you're, if you're not someone who, like, if you're someone like me who doesn't want to go through each and every single little thing, then you're, you're gonna, you're gonna find boredom quick. Cause even, I, I love the idea of the arcade. I love the idea of having games set up. I don't want to fucking wait. I don't want to sit there and wait for a game. I'm like, I could just, I could go home and play game, some of these games. Like, why am I going to sit here and wait to play this game when I could just go home and play this game? I mean, you're not wrong. In some cases, like, you can't just go home and play them. And Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, on a Saturday, it's much harder to just do that than on, you know, a random Sunday. Yeah. Like, Sunday, like, we were able to just kind of walk up and um and play the stuff that we were looking at. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to, like, wait in line. And I'm sure, like, like there were a handful of things where it's like, oh, that'd be cool to play, but there was somebody already playing it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to wait around for that, but it doesn't mean that there weren't other things worth kind of, like, stopping in and checking out. Yeah, I mean, that was, also, that's, like, kind of what happened with uh, my experiences with MAGFest eventually. Like, it got so big that, like, you couldn't do anything during MAGFest. Like, you couldn't, you'd have to wait five, ten minutes to play and whatever niche game that they have set up that you didn't think anybody would be interested in playing, or you'd have to wait till late at night. Like I remember my last Magfest, or maybe the second to last Magfest, I uh I left early. Uh, I left that Sunday. Usually Magfest went until no, I left Saturday. I left Saturday, and it would Magfest would go like Thursday to Sunday, and like by Saturday, I was like, all right, I'd seen the bands I wanted to see. I don't really care anymore. Uh, I, and I had, uh, I had a wedding. I had pre-planned that I was going to leave, take the train home, because I had a wedding I was going to. Um, th- that Saturday morning, I had to wake up super early, and I'm like, there's one thing I wanted to do all day, all weekend, that I just couldn't wait in line for, because it was an hour wait or whatever. And it was these, like, battle pods that, like, you could play a mech game. So I woke up first thing in the morning, went right down to the arcade, played that, went back upstairs. All right, guys, I'll see you later. I got to catch my Uber and take the train home. Like, it was, it, it's the only way you're going to get stuff done at MAGFest. And I'm sure, I hate to say it, I'm sure it's even worse now. Because the show has gotten bigger. More and more and more people go. Like, I follow uh, 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 cosplayers um, that, like, live in fucking Georgia that go to, that go to MAGFest. Yeah. And, like, that show has gotten huge. But they have not moved. And the location that they're at was not that big. And so I doubt they've expanded. And I feel like that's the problem. It's also going to be a problem with too many games. Like if I were to most, if I were to go, I would probably go on a Saturday. I would probably pay attention to the bands, figure out what bands. But again, I'd find myself being bored two hours in. So I'd plan around going later on in the day or whenever the bands that I want to see are playing rather than being there all day. And it's just, yeah, it's not the kind of show for me for sure. Which totally makes sense. Like, why why go and spend like a whole weekend someplace or like a whole day there if only part of it is going to be worth your time yeah um but would you like to talk a little bit a little bit about Jurassic Park the legacy of Isla Nublar 
Yeah, absolutely. We can talk about Jurassic Park Legacy of Island Noodle. Uh, so what it, I, <laughs> so I guess for anyone that, that doesn't remember us talk about this like two years ago, um, this is a legacy style board game, um, from Funko Games and Prospero Hall. Um, it's, it's Jurassic Park. So, um, it's got, a, it's got 12 different adventures to play, one of them being a tutorial one that you can play over, and the other 11 being, like, once it's done, it's done, you're putting stickers, you're scratching things, you're tearing things up, you're throwing things away, um, and it's building up the Jurassic Park. You're deciding where you're putting, um, where you're putting the visitor center, where you're putting the gate, where you're putting the genetics lab, like, you're kind of doing all of that stuff, um. While playing as characters, some of, some from the movies, like we had, um, in, in the, the introductory packet and the first module, uh, we had from the, from the movie, at least, um, Hammond, um, Dr. Wu and, uh, what, I'm sorry, who was the guy that you played? I cannot, I'm Muldoon. drawing a blank. Thank you. And Muldoon, the, 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 the hunter. The, the, I was going to say, I was going to say hunter. I'm like, he's a hunter, but I guess in, in the movie, he was more of like the, the velociraptor wrangler. Like he was, yeah, I mean, he, he was, was there to keep was, them, keep them, yeah. you know, confined and everything. Uh, so yeah, so we played the tutorial and we played the first adventure, which tutorial is a dream sequence of Hammond on his way to the park. Um, just to give you like a taste of like how the game works without making any permanent decisions. And then mm-hmm. the first, the first module is, you know, you're starting the park up and there's some, some non dinosaurs on the loose issues arise. Yeah. Um, what did you think, Rich? I I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's something that I uh, had mentioned a few times while we were playing. Is I I very much enjoy that the game is not a turn based system and it is fully basically one hundred percent cooperative. You all talk about what you're going to do, try to figure it out, and like it's not like oh you go and you do your turn or you like each person takes one move and then each person takes another move. It's y'all just con- conversate and decide. Um, I will. Say, I, I do feel, and I don't know if Erica felt like she was, like, either left out or we were guiding her on how to play too much, but I do feel like we, we might have told Erica quite a bit of what to play. She, she's very, like, soft-spoken when it comes to board games in general. That, like, I don't, I don't know how she felt about it, but I felt like we were kind of, like, telling her a lot of, like, hey, here's what you're gonna do. I mean, and, when, when she, uh, when you guys left, she said she had a good time. Okay. So, like, she said she liked the game. Yeah, well, that's good then. Um, and like for the two of us, that was the first time we played like a legacy game. Like, that was my first legacy game as well. I played Pandemic Legacy once, but I didn't start in that. It was just they, the, one of their, whoever they had that uh, usually played it with them wasn't there. So I jumped in because at one point or another, Pandemic Legacy is it's generally just playing Pandemic, but with a little bit different rules. Right. Um, yeah, like, we've played some other cooperative games, like, like I was telling you, um, uh, Matt, who, who had played with us, um, we did, um, Pandemic Cthulhu. So not, yeah. not Legacy, just regular Pandemic, but it was all Cthulhu-themed, which is a, it's a cooperative game also, mm-hmm. um, where it's a lot of just, like, alright, well, like, how, how are we going to accomplish this set of things as a group? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was very much what Legacy was. It's like you get um there are, there's five rounds to the game and each player has five potential actions they can make. Um and in a game of four, 
there each player gets two actions of their own and then there is one kind of um wild card action that like any one player can use each round yeah. um and in the rounds there are five round cards that you're going to flip over and they're going to tell you kind of what's happening in that particular round um in the first adventure it was there were people missing um mm-hmm. they had like a, i think it was a helicopter crash right yeah, so I think that like a storm had swung around or something like that and caused the helicopter to crash. And so you had to go find the missing um missing pilots or the missing crew members of the helicopter. There were four of them. Your goal was to bring at least two of them back. Um, yeah, and and the the game board is grid based um and it's broken mm-hmm. up into zones and sectors um where your sectors are larger color-coded areas. And then your zones are the grids inside of each sector and your your adventure kind of card each round would tell you like, well, if you search this zone or this sector, um, scratch here and you'd scratch off the thing on the box and it would tell you like, oh, like you see smoke floating to the northwest. So now you know that like it's probably in the zone to the northeast, which could be super helpful if you're in a position where there's only one possible zone or one possible sector to the northeast. Um, completely useless if you're in the middle of the fucking board and there's like three sectors or, or zones yeah. or whatever, um, yeah, which like, happened like, at least twice. <laughs> yeah, we, we ran into uh, an, well, not, it wasn't an issue, but like the, so the card said like you see the smoke coming or blowing to the, to the west. Uh, it's north of you and it's blowing towards the west. And so like, Metagaming the game, I knew you had to search a specific location. You had to search one of three areas in a region. So metagaming the game, I could have just moved up and searched. And that would have, like, made my next round a little bit easier. And I wouldn't have had to use so many turns to, like, move someone or something like that. But because it said to the north and east of where, like, there, like, this smoke is north and east, I moved up to, I moved two spaces one over which then kind of caused kind of made things a little bit harder because i was listening to the card saying like oh it's in the middle but it wasn't in the middle it was just anywhere in that region and i was like all right well i'll go here to this one and then it made my next turn i had to use like an extra move or something like that and so it was like metagaming, I, I should have just thought metagaming and been like, alright, just move up into the location and search it, instead of move up to this specific spot and search it. It was it was silly. It wasn't an issue. But it was just like, a, I was I was immersed in the idea of where these people were. Like, And that's like a good thing, but it's also like damn, I'm not optimizing kind of thing as well. Yeah, exactly. And we had, so aside from finding the, um, the missing people, um, each each module gives you some objectives to complete outside of just those those adventure round objectives. Um, and in that first module, um, I believe we, we had to still do the the box and the the DNA sequence. Correct? Yeah, we had to do the boxes and the DNA sequence as well as find the people. Yeah, we had to find at least we had to get at least two of the park employees to the visitor center. Um, and so in as you're playing the game you can go into the visitor center and into the genetics lab. And there are two mini games in each of those um, that are basically like, they're kind of like match three and, and like movement puzzles 
where you have to either make patterns or eliminate patterns or however you want to look at it. Um, and like, they're not super hard, but like they, they definitely are easier to do as a group than if you had to do them like one by one. And depending on the character that you pick at the beginning of the game, like you, you might have an ability that lends better to those puzzles. So like, um, yeah. like Dr. Wu is actually like set up to be really useful at the genetics lab for the genetics, um, puzzle. And there was a, um, it was like the park architect. I forget her name was like Alejandro, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, she had an ability that made the movement through the, the visitor center actually better. Well, so it, was, it wasn't specifically visitor center. Any building she walks into, she can go into any room. Right. And um, so like she, she's also very useful for starting some of these because she can walk into a building and start it because the way these little mini games for like the genetics lab and the, the, um, visitor center work is depending on what room you're in, d- uh, decides the task that you get to do. So like if you're in the top room, you can move things to the left, like things like that. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of how that works, but like, so for her, if, if we could, we always utilized her to do the, the, the command center stuff, but she could have jumped into the genetics lab and done her first move in there and then left and gone to the command center and done their first move, her first move in there or something like that. Like, I, I, I wonder how, because I just wonder how much we can sort of metagame this in a sense. Depending on where she is in some of these rooms, it might be easier for her. Like, oh no, because it's everything would be two steps away. Well, no, yeah, it's, for the for instance, the command center. If uh, she were in the main entrance and she needed to go to the theater room, that would be three steps away, or she could exit and then re-enter in the theater room. True, true. Um, yeah, and so the the way that the actions break down is you can spend one action to go up to two spots, um, which include and so. That would include entering a, a building and then moving to a room would be two moves. So that one character can enter a building exactly into the room they want to go into to cut down on the number of actions they would have to burn, which then lets them get to the actual puzzle just a little bit quicker because doing the puzzles also take up one of your actions. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you're on like the, the, the larger world map, let's call it, um, you have the same limitation of one action can move you up to two spaces unless you have a follower, which in, in this round we had potentially had followers because we were finding the, um, the, the park staff that had got that w- was in the accident. Um, when you have those, you can only move one space with them per turn or per action unless you're on a road. Um, if yeah. you have a road, um, if, you, if you're starting your action on a road, you get to move one extra space with that character which yeah. is helpful for getting people back to where they need to be um and away from dinosaurs because in the yeah. midst of all all of this stuff there are dinosaurs on the board um so you have two herbivores two carnivores at the start of the game so we had a um a brontosaurus or brachiosaurus i'm not i think it was brachiosaurus actually a triceratops a velociraptor and a t- tyrannosaurus rex and the two carnivores they they have the potential of hunting during um, the dinosaur phase of the game. Uh, the herbivores can just be in the way. Um, so, like, they're not really an issue so much um, unless um, there's something wrong with them or they move into the path of a carnivore. Because yeah. 
you can lose the game if you lose your dinosaurs. <laughs> or at least lose the adventure. Even if you lose an adventure, the game still goes on. You just, you lost that adventure, maybe player, players died or something. Um, but the carnivores, if there's nobody near them and no pens keeping them in, they will just randomly teleport around the board and they will attack, um, anything that they come in contact with in that case. <laughs> yeah. So like when we were playing, we actually had the T-Rex, um, attacked the Velociraptor, I think on two different turns or, or did it do all of its attack on one turn and it was just a really bad attack? It was, um, it was two rounds, uh, two, it was two turns or two rounds or something back to back. Okay, that's that's uh, what I thought. So well, yeah, like, I I think what it was is I think the the because you go in order from left to right. I think the T Rex attacked and then moved, and then the T Rex was in a new region that attacked and then moved. I think it was across like two that. different rounds though, and it was just an unfortunate. Like you have no control over the dinosaurs. Like, yeah, the only way that you can control the dinosaurs is if you can get to them either with an item or with a second player. And do uh, do a herding action, and then you can actually move them one space, and that will also negate um, negate their hunt and movement on their next yeah. turn. Um, yeah. But in this case, when we were playing, um, the T Rex ended up attacking the Velociraptors and knocking them out of that adventure, and that causes um, uh, uh, I forget consequences. So there are consequence tokens that are numbered. Um, there's one with with number two on it. Several with one, and I think a couple with zero. And if you, every time you get a consequence, you have to flip over the number of tokens that represent the number of consequences you got. And if you ever hit five, adventure's over. Like you, like yeah. you have lost, move on to the next adventure. Everyone's dead. Or I don't know if everyone's dead, but still, adventure over. So like right off the bat, I think we had two because I think we got the two and the zero in that one. Yeah. Out of like a possible three, maybe. Yeah. Um, so. Like, <laughs> we were in that in a spot where it's, like, one or two more, like, bad decisions and the game could have been over. And we almost had that happen because we had the card flip over that did the, um, uh, oh, Chase. <laughs> um, we had that card that made the, uh, the Triceratops sick because it ate the fucking berries off the bush. Um, and a player had to be in the space with the Triceratops during the dinosaur round. Otherwise, you suffer consequences every round that you're not. Everything no okay over there? I, I have no idea. He <laughs> sees something out the window, and he wants to be their friend. Oh, Chase, you big goofball. Um, But yeah, I, I think it was a pretty cool game, though. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun playing it. I enjoyed it a lot. It was... I, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, where it goes and continue playing it, because I love the idea of legacy games. They're just... They can be some of the harder... It's just as hard as planning a and d session, because you gotta schedule up everyone's schedule to be able to play it again. Yeah, luckily in this case, like, Matt is usually super flexible. Um, yeah. And Saturday, like, Saturday evenings seem to be, like, the time that, like, as long as you have noticed, you are the most available because, like, that's your day off. Like, you don't stream. You tend to do brosé on Fridays, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, it's Saturday. <laughs> Saturday, as long as I have, like, a week or two notice, I'm like, yep, Saturday, Saturday should be good. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not that you're not you're, it's not that you're just home every Saturday. It's just you don't have things like scheduled on every Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, well, we will definitely be popping back into that for at least, I guess, five more goes. Five to six more because depending on how long some of these modules are. 
Yeah. One might run longer, one might run shorter to where we might be able to do two or three. But yeah, we'll see. It'll be it's it's fun. I can't I can't wait to play more of these because I love this style of game. Yeah, one of them was pretty like hefty. Like when I like cause I picked them all up out of the thing, and cause for whatever reason they weren't ordered correctly. <laughs> um, and I was reordering them, and I forget which one it was, but one of the ones in the middle like had like it was a little thicker and had a little, little more weight to it than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And I know we do have there. Oh, um, there are several more dinosaurs that we will unlock as we go also. Um, I mean, the the game is supposed to go through uh, uh, the second Jurassic World movie. So... Right. It's possible that, like, we add entire regions to the map and stuff like that. So it's I don't... It's possible that, like, the map changes quite a bit. I was going to say, like, the, the map could change. We could add new buildings and stuff to it, which I'm, I, I feel like that's a given. Um, but... I know it's not that there's extra map pieces, I don't think, but um, in the box there are like six or eight like little square boxes that are sealed mm-hmm. that literally say like "Do not open until the game tells you to," and they're yeah. about the boxes are about the size of the dinosaur figures. And there's also a chance that those boxes never get opened. True. Yeah, that is entirely true. Um, that that is the one downside to the legacy games is like there is no replayability for them, and like they're not cheap. Like, yeah. they, I mean, luckily this one they said that once you do all of that, all of it, there is a way to replay the final one. No, no, I it's, the, it's the tutorial you can replay. I could have swore they said like one after you beat the game entirely, you can replay, like you can replay the last one or something. No, it's just a tutorial. You can you can keep replaying the tutorial mission. Okay, which like that's still cool. Like. Because it's one of those things where if if you just want to sit down and, like, play a quick round with some people that have never played it before to show it to them, like, you can just play the tutorial mission and kind of, like, if you've already done the the 11 other rounds, like, peel the stickers off that will, like, could cause confusion. Yeah. And then go from there. Mm-hmm. Because even, um, even, like, the scratch-offs on, like, the player cards and stuff like that, like, the things that add um extra abilities and all. Just put some painters, painters tape over them for the round. Like yeah. the people, the people that know how to play it, you don't have to worry about. But like for new players, like just put a piece of painters tape over, over that line so they don't get confused. Yeah, and I think with um after you beat the uh the 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 game mode or beat the scenario, like some of the characters can unlock different abilities and things like that. Uh, we were able to unlock an ability where like I think Erica can place temporary barriers and stuff now. Or I think it was like emergency repair was the actual name of the ability. I forget exactly what it did, but it sounded like yeah, she might be able to like place additional stuff, but also maybe repair things that are damaged. Mm-hmm. So that might be able to uh, make it so that you know maybe if the T Rex decides to teleport again, which was maybe the one thing I wasn't really a fan of, was the T Rex teleporting all the way across the island. Um. But instead of the T-Rex being able to teleport and then attack something because we rolled poorly, she might be able to place a, a, a barrier in between them and keep the dinosaur from dying this time. That is true. That is true. Yeah, because it's one of those, um, like, so when we say that, that it teleports, it's not like, it's not like it literally, like, you, you pick a new place for it to just randomly go. Like, you roll a dice. Like, the dice basically yeah. tells you where the T-Rex wanders to. And, like, unless you've built up um barriers which the game doesn't at the beginning of the game you do not have like a way to just build that stuff unless the game tells you you can for that turn mm-hmm. like 
there aren't really a lot of ways to like stop them. Like the only thing stopping dinosaurs are mountain ranges and the barriers. And if they hit a barrier twice, it's broken and it is no longer a barrier. <laughs> for that round or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah like like it, it becomes another barrier again the follow like during the next adventure. But yeah. yeah, I think I think that power that Erica unlocked with the character she was using like means that maybe we can repair those if they do get damaged or like take one damage off of them maybe. Yeah. Which that's awesome. Like that's super useful. Yeah. Um anything else you want to say about Jurassic Jurassic Park: The Legacy of Isla Nublar? It's it's super fun. I can't wait to play it more. Yeah, definitely definitely worth checking out. Um so Final Fantasy 16. Yes. How far are you? I'm only about six hours in six or seven hours in. okay so maybe more i can't fully remember i so, the I, le- so let me tell you why because I, I think you're further than i am yeah i fought the wind ladies um harpy summon uh in the forest yeah like in the clearing um you kind of like you chase like um like one of the soldiers by yourself yeah. without um your companion and you yeah. like stumble into the clearing and it's 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 the wind lady and a bunch of soldiers and yeah. she does some like she knocks you over and then they disappear and then she summons like a wind harpy for you to fight yeah one of the one of the Gerudo sisters yeah um i was i was trying to keep the i was trying to keep it's it a fucking... little bit vague just no, i was trying Gerudo. to keep it vague i was trying to keep it vague for you like cause just in case you hadn't gotten there for whatever reason yeah no, no, no. i i if if i had if if you had said something about a wind harpy and i didn't know anything about a wind harpy i would have said no but I like because like I was gonna tell you. I mean, I'm not gonna tell you what I'm doing next. But like, yeah, I did that already. That was that was an interesting. That was a good fight. It was a good introdu- introduction into like this. Some of these like harder fights because there have been a few like pseudo boss fights throughout the game, and there's been a lot of like kind of boss fights throughout the game. But that was like a really good like oh shit's gonna get crazy type of boss fight. Yeah. This very much, it very much plays like a platinum action game where it's just a short stage with some trash mobs to a mini boss or boss. Yeah. Um, which like, that's not a bad thing. It's weird for a Final Fantasy. Um, I, I actually, I do like the combat. Like, it is very much like a platinum Devil May Cry. Like, it, it's, it's fast. You can dash in, attack, dash out. Um, there is like some parry, like you can do like a parry, you can do like a, um, if you dodge, um, at the right time, you know, it'll do like the slow down sort of stuff. But if, if that's not your, your thing or you can't get it, you can absolutely like dash in, swap, like slash twice and then dash out and then, you know, maybe hit them with, um, with fireballs from a distance until you see another opening. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it, the the one thing that I'm like kind of let down with, and it's like one thing we were talking about last week was the possibilities and potential of what could happen in this game. And the I one thing I was like, well, maybe we can um like build out different loadouts or whatever, use different weapons to be like a full on mage or to be full on like dragoon or be full on this or that or whatever. From what I'm gathering, from what I've experienced so far as well, it's not like that. Yeah, Which that's is, that's a little bit. That's the impression I've gotten just from some stuff I've seen or heard too. Like I haven't gotten any spoilers, but just like the very vague stuff, it sounds like Clive is Clive. This is how he's going to play. You're going to get some new stuff and some cool stuff and some different magics and all. But like this, like yeah. what you're doing now is so, basically what you're doing the whole game. 
And so the, at this point now, like, I, I was talking with, uh, one of my viewers when I was playing it, and people are complaining that, like, this isn't an RPG, or this is, like, a bad RPG, or no, it should not be a Final Fantasy game, because it's not an RPG, and, like, I disagree with that statement, but you're right, it's not an RPG. It is definitely nowhere near an RPG, in my opinion. It is as much an RPG as God of War is an RPG. I mean, it's an action RPG, right? It's got levels, it's got, um... But the levels like, don't matter. a skill tree. The levels don't matter. Don't they? Look at how much... The the amount of increased damage you get between each level is... Like, say your strength goes up, it goes up by a maximum of two. Yeah, but look at and how quickly to, you're getting levels also. But to me, when you're giving me an RPG, quote RPG, where you can't allocate where your experience where your like experience goes to strength to be like hey i want to use more magic i want to use more of this i want to use more of that none of your gear is geared to push you towards anything besides being a sword swinging asshole and i'm not meaning an asshole but like that i don't know why i decided to go with that way but like all you do is swing your sword and yeah you can shoot fire but like your stats don't increase to where the RPG aspect of an RPG really makes a difference. This is an action game. This is God of War. Like, you get your skill points, which you did in God of War, and you can use those skill points to unlock new abilities. That's it. Like, your actual strength doesn't... I mean, yes, it goes up by two every level. So, yeah, from level 1 to level 99, it's going to be a big difference. But each level up, doesn't really make that big of a change and each new weapon that you get doesn't really up it that much more than the previous weapon it's just to me like i i i don't agree that this they they added the rpg elements of leveling up just so they could call it an rpg this is like i said this is as much an rpg as god of war is i don't know i i disagree with that i mean like it's at least better than 15 was about that stuff like 15, you could just store all your XP and then go to that one inn and have huge level jumps. Like, the levels literally didn't matter in that game. I, but I'm trying to... How did how did 15 do their leveling system? Like, they had a spirit so, or, or something like that, didn't they? they how was a, 15's leveling? So, 15, like, like your base level where you got your stats, um, you did not gain experience after a battle. You basically, like, it... um. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, like, it banked the experience, and then you only gained it when you rested. And mm -hmm. you got, like, it was one times if you rested at, like, a campsite. It was, like, one and a half times if you rested at, like, most hotels. But very early in the game, you found that one hotel that it was three times. Okay. So you could just not cash any of your experience in, go sleep at that hotel once, and go from level 15 to 50 in one night's rest. And then, like, all of your base stats jumped that much more. Like, this game, like, at least from what I've seen so far, you're getting level ups fairly quickly. Like, I'm getting, be just even between, like, those, like, mini bosses and bosses, I'm getting, like, two or three levels usually at a time. Like, I think I'm around level 15 right now. Um... And, like, so those little stat increases with how frequently levels are going up makes sense. And it's keeping the game balanced because I'm not, I'm not getting wrecked by anything, but I'm also not just trouncing all over the enemies. Like, because in, 
in 15, like, at a certain point, like, I no longer, like, um, I forget the name of the villain in 15, like, like the, the really douchey guy that you kind of like, he, he acts like he's maybe an ally early on and it turns out he yeah. is the villain. Um, yeah, I don't remember his name, but yeah. I was so overpowered by his fight that like, I, it, it, there was no fight to it. Like I would, I would hit him like twice and then it would just trans, like transfer to the next, um, phase of the fight. Yeah. I, I mean, look, 15 wasn't that great of a game. It wasn't a bad game. Wasn't that great of a game, and the combat system sucked. Yeah, like I did not, I did not hate fifteen, but like to say that like sixteen isn't an RPG, like I feel like it's more RPG than fifteen was, even if fifteen technically had more traditional RPG mechanics. But but that's I. I'm not saying that the ones more. I'm not saying that fifteen is more. It's less or more of an RPG as sixteen. I'm just saying that fifteen is as much an RPG as God of War is. I mean sixteen. 16, yeah. 16 is as much an RPG as God of War is, because there is, like, you, you, RPG is role-playing game, but you, first of all, you don't really play a role. Like, you're, what, what, what are you, you're, you're, you are playing an action game. You're playing an action game. You're playing as a specific guy who can do specific things. Like, you don't get to change that. That's, this is what, to me, qualifies an RPG. This is why, like, if I think RPG, I think early Final Fantasies. I think like Final Fantasy, like it, with Final Fan, like early with pre, I'd say pre Final Fantasy fifteen. Like it was the the RPG aspect was like the multiple party members and the turn based action style, uh, turn based combat style, things like that. I mean, that's but, the thing that that is what people think of when they hear RPG. But like, but when the, this when is I an think, action RPG, when I think RPG now. I think Fallout. I think Skyrim. I think Soulsborne. Those are RPG. The Soulsborne are the perfect RP single player one person RPG type style. Well, not perfect. Combat system is a little too difficult for some people, and that's fine. But that is that is what I think an RPG. You have your character. You find you get your skills. You build you build out your character the way. And those are action RPGs. They're not just strict RPGs. Those are action RPGs. You build out the character the way you want to play. This is a game that is not letting you do that. But there is no so change. Appa- There's no a- apparently there your- is apparently there is a little bit of customization later on. But like you have to, it, it's a Final Fantasy game, so you have to get like ten hours in before things start to open up a little bit. But you're right. It's it's not it's not an immersive sim role playing game the way Bethesda games are. Um. But I'd say it, it's probably closer to, like, the Souls games as far as, like, that stuff goes. Like, you might not no. be dumping it into, like, specific stats like that, but, like, your stats are still going up with like, your levels. You're still We're, getting, like, the, um, the, the fucking ability points to dump into different abilities and to make abilities better. But you're not getting, you're not getting to make these choices yourself for this, the stats that you're getting. And you never got to do that on Final Fantasy games. But you kind of did. You got the sphere grid in Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy IX, the, the idea, the Final Fantasy IX, like the, the picking of stats and abilities came with, like, learning the abilities with your weapons and things like that. But, so that's the thing, uh, like, you, like, you're, Final you're Fantasy, the- Final Fantasy twelve also had a, like, a grid type system or, like, a, a, a skill based system, like, uh, yes, in Final Fantasy seven VII and eight VII and nine, 
you didn't get to pick your level ups, but again, those are older RPGs where the RPG was the turn-based style more so than anything else. But I mean, modern so modern RPGs, twelve, ten through twelve, you got to pick your you got to pick your progress. When you leveled up in Final Fantasy X, you got your base stat increases, and then the Spear Grid also gave you the ability to do, like, I want plus to attack also, or I want to learn this new ability. Like, And you got you got to pick your track. You got to pick which abilities you chose. Yes, by the end of the game, each of your characters would have completed their own Spear Grid, but then you could have unlocked their Spear Grid to pick a new track for each of them to go. You could have had Lulu going to... Uh, Kamari's sphere grid and learn blue, uh, uh, yellow magic or be an, an attacker. Like, it, you could if you wanted to. Blue if magic, you, man. Blue ma- <laughs> I, I don't know why I keep thinking it's yellow. It's because but, like, it's yellow materia. But, like, even, even, I haven't played enough of 12 to really un- remember. But, like, 13 also had this system of, yes, you had your base stat increases, but there was also, like, a grid. There was also a, a level up system. Where you, you got to choose and customize your characters. This game, Final Fantasy 16, you, you, it is, it is God of War. It is Devil May Cry. Like, I, I disagree. I, like, I, I, I haven't don't... played as much, but like, from what, I, like, you cannot, you cannot think that at, once you're through, like, the opening of this game, cause frankly, we're both still in the opening, um, that you're not going to end up unlocking all of the magics. And have skill trees for all of the different possible ways that you could do that stuff. So, I, I've i defeated the next big boss after you. And I've unlocked the next set of abilities. And it looks exactly the same as the initial set of abilities. There are three that are initially unlocked, two that you can unlock. Nothing, there is no change in my initial base set loadout of skills and attacking abilities that I have unlocked yet. It is, the, the combat system is square, 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 or square, triangle, square, triangle, square, triangle, square, triangle, or however you combine that with an X and square, or a double jump and X and square, or charging your magic. There is nothing in this game so far, and I am five hours ahead of you, give or take, there is nothing in this game so far that allows me to change up that I uh, my magic is stronger than my swords. Well, There's I mean, nothing. and I don't think that's going to happen, but you also couldn't make lightning stronger as a mage than as like an attacker. You, like that was lightning's role. But they had, they had several roles and you could upgrade the different roles separately and you could focus on different roles. But again, and, that is, that is, a, that, that still sits on the classic RPG style of turn-based combat. That when people think RPG and old school RPG, they think of the turn-based style and like, it, it, it is it is a lot different of an RPG. It's a lot different of an RPG than 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 Final Fantasy sixteen is. Even even fifteen was a lot different of an RPG. But fifteen started fifteen leans more towards sixteen than it leaned toward thirteen. Agree. Because they you you lost the control of your characters. You didn't even have a fucking gambit system in in fifteen. This one you don't even have extra characters in control or a gambit system. You barely have control of the dog. Barely have control of him. Yeah, but that dog is good and you can pet him. He's a good boy. He's such a good boy. Make sure to pet him enough to get your achievement. I did. Okay. Uh, um, But so, I, I know I mentioned it last time. The The combat director for the game was from Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. So, like, the game's going to feel like Devil May Cry because that's what that guy did. 
Um, yeah. But like this feels like like the like a type of RPG. Like you're comparing it to like semi wet like Western RPGs. Like your Bethesda comparing- RPGs, Bloodborne. I- I just played two Japanese RPGs, and I'm looking at that, and that was still more customizable than that. It is Tales of Arise that all that customizable? I didn't get that far into it. <sighs> I thought like your characters were very like strung by like what they could do. Like you, you have remember. a bunch of characters to like swap between potentially, but but again, it, it like I. Because, like, yes, I am looking at this RPG and considering it not an RPG because it's not, like, what it is kind of molded after because I'm comparing it to other JRPGs that are molded after the original JRPGs that we know, the old school Final Fantasies of the the party-based system and, 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 like, just the idea of making up your own party makeup adds customization to the game. I mean, And each character plays differently. And, like, Every, I don't see a point in this game where my loadout is going to be different than yours. You might have different abilities that you'd like to use more, but I don't see a point in this game where I am playing differently than somebody else because I don't see a way for this game to have that. You're going to use your strongest weapons. You're going to use your strongest abilities. You might, you're, you're, the only difference is the abilities you pick might be your your preferred abilities might not be the same as my preferred abilities, which then that leans on the God of War, the Devil May Cry aspect of I preferred using these weapons and not those weapons. But the the level ups add minimal to the game itself. I don't think they really add anything to it. They could have. Here's the thing: if you just took the level ups out and kept everything the same difficulty throughout the game, and every and like like. As you progressed, the, the enemies, like, instead of making the enemies harder as you progress, you make them all the same level of difficulty. You can cut out these levels and not have them. Like, that's, that's where, like, you, I don't need to be a high level to do certain things. That's, I mean, yeah. We also, because we're so early in the game, we don't know, like, how the game changes. Like, did you play 13? I did play 13. So, like, if you remember 13, like, the first, I don't know half third something like that of that game super linear super confined like your levels didn't really matter because you were going to be at the level you needed to be by every fight mm-hmm. um but then at a certain point uh, for me it was around like the when you fought Sid in that game um which is shortly before like the game like in theory opens up and you end up on the planet and everything um that is where like suddenly like the levels actually started to matter because you could potentially end up going someplace without having been stuck in a corridor fighting everything so that you were the right level. Um, they, I personally don't think that was handled real well because it suddenly went from everything is easy to, oh shit, I can't beat these guys. Um, but like, we don't, like, this game could take that turn. Like, you could get to a point where suddenly, like, you are, like, you are not just, here's a corridor with a bunch of trash mobs to fight to keep you leveled up. Like, you need to actually like think about your about where you're going, what you're doing, and hopefully it doesn't devolve into like a grind. But so like. that I don't quite know if you've unlocked these at this point. You might have. They might have said something about it. You might not have noticed. But the there fast is, travel things. No, not the fast travel things. There is are uh two. Mo- there is a replay mode and an arcade mode. 
the arcade oh, mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did arcade, unlock those. Arcade mode is just scores. That's it. It's just Devil May Cry. The, um, the replay mode, you actually can replay, get experience, get ability points, and, and find mi- items that you missed. Wow, so like you can that. actually go back and basically grind that way to, like, get leveled up if you need to? Yes. So, in a sequence that you'll be coming up to within, like, probably two, three hours, uh, there are a bunch of enemies similar to Garuda that you can fight that each one is worth 40 uh, AP. And in the arena itself, there's, let's say, 10 of them. So that's 400 AP, and each of the fight probably took about a minute or two each. You could just do that, and then load out, load back in, do that, load out, load back in, do that, load out, load back in. And just grind AP easily if you wanted to master out your abilities. You could grind, and there, there's a possibility of grinding, but I'm, I'm bringing this up because that is, that is your grind. Is going back and replaying the same story modes and scenarios and things like that. There's not go, the, the map is not open. The map is not going to be open. From what I'm hearing, the map stays linear like this. Okay. And it stays level to level. So I have heard that it does get harder, though. That, there, like, on a couple different podcasts, I've heard different people say that the game goes from... You get to a point where, like, even the boss fights are no longer even remotely difficult. Like, they're just... They're, you're just kind of going through the motions to everything becomes a little bit more challenging. Like, like I don't know, like, the, the AI becomes better. I don't know if the, if the level goes up, but I've heard multiple people say that. So at some point, the game does become more complicated, and it didn't necessarily sound like it was a you had to go grind to, to remedy it, but you had to be more thoughtful about what abilities you were using and how you were using them and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, we're not, we're not far enough in. We, I, like, I... Th- my impressions as of this point, initially my impressions were, oh, this game could open up and be great. And then as far in as I am at this point where I, like, I am, I am probably good at least three or four hours ahead of you. I am like, this game is going to be very linear and I don't have an understanding of how this game can be considered an RPG. Because every game is an RPG at this point. I, yeah, Monster Hunter World won best RPG the year it came out. So. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, th- I don't, I do not mean this as like you, but like, you, as in everybody, just needs to stop worrying about the genre of games. Like, because no. at this point, like, there are too many subgenres on top of that. Like, this isn't an RPG. It's an action RPG. And while it has RPG in it still, it is not an RPG. Like, action RPGs, they're a subgenre, but they're a very different type of game, too. Like, like you were saying before, like, all of the differences between, like, a, like, a, let's call it a classic modern RPG. Um, cause they, like, they still make those. Like, Tales of Arise might not have been one, but like, there are plenty of games that are still classic RPGs. Um, mm-hmm. they still come out with, you know, they're still turn-based RPGs even that like, um, fucking that, uh, Octopath Traveler game is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, like, action RPGs are very much a, there is some sort of stat or level related bit to it, and then there is, some sort of action combat. Any game that has that at this point is an action RPG. So, God of War, action RPG. Uh, Monster Hunter, action RPG. Um, Legend of Zelda, not an action RPG, right? Yeah. 
There's no levels yeah. in Zelda. I was trying to think. No. But in a way, you could argue that because you get hearts and stamina in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, it is also an action RPG. I Honestly, I hate to say it, but I could... There, there is an argument to where you could say that Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild are probably more RPG-like than, than Final Fantasy sixteen. I mean, I, di- I do disagree with that because I feel like... At a certain point, if you were to go through this game and somehow never level up, um, you would have a very, very bad time in Final <laughs> Fantasy versus like Legend of Zelda. Like, t- so Tears of the Kingdom, Link is so fucking squishy that you just have to not get hit. Period. Like one, what? most enemies one hit kill you, even when you have eight or nine hearts. So I want I want you to focus on something you said. Somehow not level up. That is forced. Your leveling up is forced. You cannot get around it. You, you you are pushed into these fights. There's no fights that you you could probably escape and run away from them. There's obviously going to be some that you can't escape from. I don't know True. if you can escape from a fight, honestly. But most of the fights and most of the combat I have gotten into in this game, with the exception, the only time there were fights that I didn't have to get into was that section I was telling you about with the enemies of 40 AP, which the only reason I fought them all was because they had 40 AP. You could have skipped most of that. There have not been fights that I didn't need to get into to progress through the level. So that, again, makes the leveling up system kind of meaningless because I don't need to do it because I'm not, like, trying to do it. It's just happening. But, I mean, that's... I mean, you could say that about most RPGs that don't have random encounters. Like, a lot of them... You you can avoid, like, the trash mobs, but they have plenty of fights that are unavoidable. That are just part of the game that, like, in theory, keep you on track to not be destroyed. True, but if your idea of the game being an RPG is the leveling up, again, if you took out the leveling up, then it wouldn't be an RPG. You don't need to do the level ups. Like, they could have just not did a level up. Yeah, I mean, they, they could have just given you the stat points. Or not the stat points, the um the ability points, whatever they're called. Yeah, but then that would have just been an action game and not an action RPG. The only reason they're calling it an RPG is because of those, uh, because of the level ups. And I don't agree that this game should be considered an RPG. That's all. I mean, it's not a, I'm not complaining about the game. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I absolutely enjoy this game. I just feel like the moniker of RPG isn't, shouldn't be there for as many games as there are, as it is. But I mean, that's just because RPGs are just something different than they were 10 years ago. Like there, there's just. I'm not saying that there don't that art the that a traditional RPG doesn't exist. I'm saying that there are just more types of them. But I don't know. I, I this is just this this is a conversation that's going to keep going around in circles, and and we're going to both disagree on this. But like I I don't. That's when you say people need to stop worrying about like game categorization. You're right. But when you have big things like the Game Awards that actually kind of mean something to the gaming world, and you have games like Monster Hunter being called an RPG, which honestly is not an RPG. It is not an RPG. But then games like, I, I don't know if this is considered once, uh, Elden Ring pro- not being considered for RPG. It should have. That is more RPG than Monster Hunter. That's where, like, people have a fuss about it. I think this game is 100% a Final Fantasy game. Even though I don't agree with it being called an RPG. There's so, people out there who say this game should not be a numbered Final Fantasy because it's not an RPG. That Those are the people 
that you need to be like, all right, well, maybe don't care about what the game type is. Yeah, exactly. And I just looked, so both both Monster Hunter World and Elden Ring are both considered action RPGs. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I don't disagree with either of those. I don't, I don't agree with the action. I don't know. I agree with the action. I don't agree with the RPG moniker for that. But like Monster Hunter World also isn't an action adventure game. I mean, it's an action game. That's not, that's not a genre. I mean, it's more action adventure than it's an action RPG. I disagree. There's no RP, there's no RPG element to Monster Hunter. Sure there is. No, there's not. You, you get armor. The, the armor is your stats. But that is your armor. That is not your stats. The, like, the, like, ar- the armor is a surrogate for your level and your stats. But you can beat the game. Here you go. You can beat Monster Hunter World without leveling up, without getting new armor. You can beat Elden Ring without leveling up or getting armor, too. But you're trying to say that if you could get through this without armor, then this Final Fantasy without leveling up, then it wouldn't be an RPG. No, I said it would be much harder. And Monster Hunter and Elden Ring are much harder to get through without any armor, right? They absolutely are, yeah. Yeah, like, but I like, mean, it's the same it, way, like, it's, if you're really, really good, you can beat um, Chrono Cross at the beginning of the game. Yeah. But, like, the average person can't do that. Like, you and I would have to read, like, guides for a week to actually ma- make that work. And, like, frankly, yeah. like, I could never do it for Monster Hunter or Elden Ring. Like, I am not good at those games. Like, I can't, I can't play those games with the best armor. <laughs> Look, man, genres are stupid. Chase. Genres are just real stupid. But it is. I like Final Fantasy 16. I think it's cool right. so far. Um, I, I think Clive's a little boring. I'm not going to lie. Um, so far, this, while the, the world is interesting, I don't think the story so far is all that interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people's complaints is the story is kind of weak. I think the story, um, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately predictable, uh, uh, uh to a point. It, it's very Game of Thrones. Yeah, they like, they used they use Game of Thrones uh for heavy reference for this game, which I don't understand why. Um, yeah, it, like it's so like that the, that's that, that would have been fine five years ago. Like it would have been fine five years ago when Game of Thrones was still the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're well. This game got started five years ago, right? So like that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, like it, it's that grim dark setting where it's just. There's not really much hope, and even the characters that you're supposed to be, like, hopeful for, like, they don't really give you much to hope for. Like, everyone's kind of, like, dour. Um, so far, at least, the, the side quests are also not all that interesting. Um, I haven't really gotten any yet, so I don't know if that gets better. Again, that, like, I am five hours further than you, and I got two side quests since those two that you had. Yeah, and I should be clear, I do not like side quests. I generally don't do them. I just, I think the couple that I've had so far were also really bad. Um, I mean, they, they don't get much better. At least the two more that I had. They're, I'm going to 100% spoil one of them. It's another food delivery mission. Oh, I believe that. And, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, you, you, you go from being prince to being slave to being a waiter. And then the, the, the next time is your, your DoorDash driver. They're not at the, they're not in the Fat Chocobo. They're around the hideout, so you have to go a little bit further. Okay. But yeah, like, I think, like, the first, what, two and a half hours or so, like, the flashback area of it, I, like, mm-hmm. like I thought that part was actually really good. Um, yeah. Like, like, that part of the story and the characters and all were interesting. The the present day stuff where I'm at, like, it's me, the dog, the dog is awesome, and one other guy, and 
all the NPCs are kind of bland so far. Um, other than the, the other than the villain, the the fucking wind lady, like she seems like she could be like an interesting villain. I have a feeling she's not going to be though. She's um, she is she's she's good. She's okay. She's a good villain. Um, but like the world is interesting. Like the fact that there are just these people that are you know quote unquote blessed by the the icons the summons but they're also treated like slaves and lower class when they are or i guess the the ones that are blessed by them aren't but the ones that are touched by them are or like some of the way that they refer to things is a little weird so it's basically and, and so have you done any of like the lore page so no cuz i thought that the- i thought that was just retelling me things that the game already told me is that not what it's doing it, it kind of does, but it, like it, it, it kind of it, it better better explains it. So if you hold the 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 um the the pad touchpad, it'll tell you like it'll give you further information, a little bit further information. And so when it comes to um the the branded, they are the ones that like yes, we're blessed to have magic without needing a crystal to cast it. Those are the ones that are turned into slavery. And then there's the the uh, dominants who are the jinchiriki, right? And dominants then, are what they were called. Yeah. So the dominants are are. So are you trying to say the dominants are the ones that are in in servitude? No, no, no. Like the, the that's what I I got mixed yeah. up. Like it like the people that can just do magic, like Clive, are like yeah. treated like second class citizens and outcasts. Yeah. But then which like is so, the one such a weird idea. Yeah, but then the ones who are like that can transform into them are like special and revered and yeah, rulers of their domains and whatnot. Yeah. It's usually passed down on a bloodline. So the Phoenix is passed, passed down always on Clive's bloodline. Um, and there's, there's a couple of others you've, you've, uh, you've experienced Garuda, Garuda, um, Shiva, um, and Shiva Titan. Yeah. and Titan. Um, you're, you're, you're going to experience some more in, in, in a few hours. Oh, and Ifrit, too. Yeah. Um, Um, it is, it is a very interesting lore, interesting world. I just, unfortunately, it seems like we're being placed into a boring timeline of this world. Or not a boring timeline, it is an interesting timeline, but it's kind of a bland timeline of war. I, and I think it's more the characters are bland because they're downtrodden and don't, like, like, it's a shame because, like, I saw some some like interviews with like the voice actor, and I'm I'm assuming motion capture for Clive, and that dude seems super cool and is really excited to be in this game. Mm-hmm. But like, the character is just kind of dull, and it's not his. It's not him that's that's dull about it. It's just he's got a very generic um motivation. Like he's out for revenge. All he cares about is revenge. I have seen that in a million fucking stories. It's not interesting. Like. The character that just wants revenge for his family that was wronged, n- not an interesting story. Yeah. Like, I mean, it been, gets, it gets a little bit more interesting as we move forward. I'm sure. Again, and like that stuff usually I, does, but like that is such an, it's such a cliched, like character motivation, like inciting incident, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, there's, there's one, one thing that is very predictable to, that was predictable to me right out, the, right off the gate that like, when when they revealed it, I was like, "This is a surprise," kind of thing. Wait, so what was that? I you, you haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, you said right out of the gate, so I thought you meant from the well. Beginning. It was it was something that happens in the beginning that continues as a theme throughout. That once they reveal the outcome of it, it's like, well, 
to, to me, the viewer and the player, the kind of duh. And I, I will keep it being on that I did not read or know anything prior to this game coming out. Um, I, like, there was something that they shared in the demo that I was just like, man, that's bullshit that they said that in the demo. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I don't know anything about this game prior to this, like, just, I knew the battle system was going to be this way. Or, that was it. I haven't not, I haven't followed anything about story. Yeah, and like, I, I also did not. And actually, when, when we're done yeah. recording, I'm going to ask you a question about something to see if I'm right or not. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't want to ask it here just because I don't want to actually have to, like, put a spoiler tag anywhere in the notes. Um, but I, that's probably going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll um, do it. So next week, we will be having our next book club discussion where we are going to talk about Renfield, the 2023 Nick Cage vampire movie. Mm-hmm. So that should be exciting. Uh, but other than that, if you would like to find some more of our content, you can head over to www.one-quest.com. You can also help us out by supporting us at pot, uh, Jesus, at patreon.com slash onequest. If you can't support us there with your dollars, though, you can go to your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, no longer Stitcher because Stitcher is shutting down, guys. So if you listen oh, on wow. Stitcher, we're on other things too. Um, you can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash onequestonline or at one underscore quest on Instagram and Twitter. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash onequestvideo, and you can always send us an email to social at one-quest.com. And Rich, what is your, uh, what is your stream schedule look like? Uh, youtube.com slash at bwalnuts for streaming Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and most Sundays. Uh, it's Final Fantasy and Sea of Thieves really is all I've got planned for the next couple of weeks since, uh, Remnant 2 launches in July. So I want to have this beat before Remnant 2 comes out. Nice. Um, and yeah, other than that, we will be back next week with something else to talk about. Thanks for listening. Bye. See yous.